We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. back on the same page with him and again he makes me a better quarterback and I feel like I make him a better receiver and as an organization maybe not communicating the right way with everything so again just trying to talk and and listen at the same time and hear him out and and like I said just try to move this forward as as quickly and as respectfully as you know as possible welcome everybody to another edition a fired up edition of the rock pal report podcast I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was our quarterback, Joshua Allen, answering questions from the press about the absence of Stefan Diggs at Bill's mandatory minicamp. Goose Fraba? You people. And when I say you people... There's a whole bunch of people going, is he talking about me? There's a whole lot of you that drive me fucking crazy. Guys, I opened Twitter the other day. I'm I'm a busy man when I'm at work. I'm in the office. I'm not looking at Twitter. No, I've got shit to do. I take a break. I take like a 20 minute break. Eat my lunch. I'll open up a... Like Chris, I don't know. Some people get 30, 40, an hour... I have an hour break. I sometimes work through chunks of it just because I'm busy. I opened Twitter and saw 10 minutes of it and realized I want no piece of this. You all need to calm the fuck down. Uploaded a bunch of memes. It was just like, but Chris, what's that thing about putting positivity into the world? Like Tony Robbins? Like Tony Robbins. The only thing I have to offer is memes. I don't have positivity. I just have memes. And I tried to do that for some of you who were willing to have it because, holy shit, Tuesday, you people came off 
the rails. Chris, it was one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. And yet, I get it, okay? I understand that everybody felt a certain kind of way about this thing that's already... Stefan Diggs not showing up for the start of mandatory minicamp. Let's get it out of there. Elephant in the room. He didn't show up. Or he did, right? Like, that's under... Like, that, that's that been contradicted. I want to give you guys... I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time because I've got, a, I've got a message to deliver tonight. And I will be damned if I keep... Like, like if I don't get to have it heard by all of you... But first, like a salve for my wounds, Chris has made me a cocktail, and he's actually served it to me in a normal glass. That's because it's called a highball, you jackass. A normal-looking glass. Not a coupe, not a Nick and Nora, not a thing I want to stomp on the floor. Like, I want to... Th- Most of those little glasses, like, when you bring me something that looks like a wine glass, I want to throw it. Like, just involve... Like this, somewhere- right here. I yeah. have a... I'm drinking a cloak and dagger out of a Nick and Nora. It is very sweet and delicious. <laughs> when you hand, And tart. When you hand me a glass that's shaped like that, there's something in my caveman brain that tells me to throw it. Like, it's like, like when people talk about their intrusive thoughts, right? Those are mine. Where I'm like, I'm holding that glass and the whole time I'm going, you could just smash this and there's nothing anyone could do to stop you. It's so fragile it would explode. It would be awesome to watch. Just shards of glass raining down off the wall. Look over there where your pictures are hanging. <laughs> I, in fact, I actually messaged Greg Thompson one morning. I was at Wegmans. I had stopped in to get a loaf of bread early in the morning. Like right when the bakery first opened, because I had to have that specific bread. Couldn't afford to be without it. It was part of a larger dish thing I was preparing. And there was a guy with a cart preparing a big fruit display, right? And he has all like the fruit, and it's being arranged to make like a cityscape. He's putting a lot of time and effort into this. Now, this kid's probably about 17, 18 years old, and he probably weighs about a buck 40. And then I'm looking around, and there's no one in the store. There's no security at Wegmans because it's a high-quality grocery store. They don't need security. And worse is that there are no, I like, there's not another, like, employee, male or female, my own height or weight for what seems like football fields. And the thought just popped into my head. It was like the Bill Burr bit. It's like, I could just start punching, like, King Kong. I could just start punching the hell out of this display, and there's no one who could stop yeah, me. Yeah, the muffins. There's no one who could stop me from taking this Wegmans display apart with my bare hands. No one would even know what to do for the first 45 seconds. They would just stand there in horror, not understanding what was happening to them. Those are my... And I started... I burst out laughing, and like it, it is like Bill Burr described. People look at you like, the fuck is this guy laughing about? And then you realize you have to leave now because you look like a lunatic. Those are my intrusive thoughts. So I'm, I'm glad that you gave me a glass that I can hold like an adult. You know, it's just, called a highball. Whatever it's called, it's full of a brackish liquid. It's got some orange tint to it. Um, I don't smell citrus, at least not at first sniff. This is interesting, because a part of me wants... Every time I try to guess that there is or isn't bourbon in there, I'm wrong. You're not good at that. No. Ooh. 
That's that. That is delightful, sir. It's smooth. It's uh, it, it's it's tea. Yeah, you got one ingredient. All right, so there's tea. What else is in this? As I, it is called a uh, bourbon sweet tea. So there's hundred proof bourbon, black tea. Amaro Nanino, simple syrup, lemon juice, and peach liqueur. I'm not going to lie to you. That might be the most refreshing cocktail I've ever had. It's up there. It's in the top five. There you go. Hot damn. Chrissy, we we got to start having you. In fact, we talked to Cam Calandra about this, and I think we need to get on it for the YouTube Cocktails for Chris and Cam. <laughs> that God, I don't, we could give that a shot. I don't know how he is in front of a camera. We're gonna find out. Cam, step up to the plate. <laughs> it's time to go. That that cocktail is so smooth that it almost pulled me out of my topic fueled rage. But don't worry, I've got a little bit of the KG to bring me right back. See, Tuesday comes. Our, our best offensive weapon doesn't show up to training camp and everyone loses their fucking minds. And what I think is worse, right? It's, it's one thing to have your own crappy opinion. It's another thing to subject us all to it by calling your local radio station. Chris, you used to record my radio calls. Some, yeah. of, some of them did not age well. No, they didn't. Remember the time I called in to say that Kansas City had just buried the Patriots and that the dynasty was dead? Wrong. I think they won the Super Bowl that year. They might have. <laughs> um, I just... what Chris, I can't even... Guys, okay, so there's a situation. Obviously, our quarterback, as you heard in the intro, is a little tight about it. We're going to get back to what he said and how he said it in a minute. But first, I want to talk to you people. It's bad enough that when you're like, there's a meme I shared where it's a cat just kicking all the litter out of the litter box onto the ground. And it says, when you're having a bad day, just make sure everyone else has a bad day too. That's all of you. You took the social media to whine and complain and throw like insults and call people children and, and they did not just fans. There were some all, there's some of our fellow content creators, Chris. Greg Tom, Greg Thompson. I love you. You had a tweet about how Stefan Diggs was acting like an entitled so-and-so. Childish, I think, is a term you used. In fact, I think I have a screen cap of it because Ryan Lisa was nice enough to send it to me. Let me see this here. So let me check because, Chris, I don't want to be wrong, right? Like, I'm an asshole, but I don't want to Yeah, you want to be... have everything right, correct, fact check, but, you know, that's the... Uh... It's the notion that you get from wide receivers is Stefan Diggs can have both can both have accurate, legitimate right to be upset on several fronts and be handling it like a narcissistic attention seeking child. OK, so these are all things, these these aspersions that you're all casting about something that you we all know nothing about. Right. And then the situation you know, has obviously changed since then. In the aftermath, and just on day one, I'm shocked with the number of you who took to WGR to call in. Chris, it's the laziest thing as a host to do, isn't it? Take calls. Well, some markets have to. I mean... Is ours one of them? Yeah. Why? Because it's so small. 
Yeah, but but so if you know the population's small, what are the odds you're getting a quality phone call? Think about the number of people who can't podcast and do. Think about the number of people who suck at this, who get behind microphones and just drone on about nonsense. Or they have takes like like the asshole who said that if uh, what was it, Andre Lee Jr., whatever the fuck his name was, who got cut. If he was given Andre Smith Jr., if he was given the same opportunity as Tremaine Edmonds, he'd make more impactful plays. Those are the people that you're now subjecting me to. I I try to avoid those people, right? Like, I don't listen to, like, I scroll past that nonsense on social media and it's easy to avoid. I don't listen to their programming. I don't read what they have to write because I know it's it's drivel. It's nonsense. You're literally pearl harboring me in my car with this stuff when you allow these people on the radio. Have you ever had to be a call screener? Oh, yeah. 790 The Zone. Mayhem in the AM with Steak Shapiro. Nick Cellini and Mike Bell. What do the, you do when you, you, you know you work in a market where you have to take calls, but you know that five out of the ten calls that are waiting are just landmines? Like, this is just, this is stupidity incarnate. Well, it's, for one, when I was in Atlanta doing this, so depending on the time of year, you can be fielding calls for the Hawks, the Thrashers, because they were around, although... They did not get a lot of play because 680 the fan had the contract. So you had Hawks, Braves, Falcons, Thrashers, UGA, Georgia Tech. You had all of these different sports you could tap into. But as a call screener, you quickly figure out, like, you would write into the program, you know, Joe from Cheek to Waga, and then write his bullet points, and then you could just write next to it, avoid this phone call because you know just from talking to them that they're gonna suck the funny thing is is someone who doesn't listen to a lot of drive time radio i actually tried to give this all a listen i tried to give it a chance because it's chris this is something that's worth finding out the gory details of right yeah and if you're driving around you can't be on your phone digging into it yourself you might as well turn it on because there's nothing else going on that's what am i going to listen to more yacht rock Am I going to listen to Slayer while I'm stuck in traffic? That's a bad idea. So instead, I turned on WGR. And you people, you people. Uh, Chris, which one of these callers do you want to start with first? I mean, we can just go in order because the last one that you sent me was <sighs> the best one. We, Take them. Take them from the top. Let's start with uh, Kristen. Kristen is next up. Hi, Kristen. You're on WGR. Thank you for calling. Hey, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I um I just feel really disappointed that this is happening with our team. I mean, maybe, you know, I'm kind of rainbows and unicorns, but, <laughs> like, what part of being a team member and being part of a team, you know, mandatory practice, if you're a team member, you do that, right? And I, I understand there are egos and money and all of that kind of stuff involved, but I guess I just, like, that's, that's so much of what, Buffalo Bills are here in our town is, you know, it's heart, it's soul, it's history, and it's family, and make it work. And all this drama just does not feel good as somebody who didn't care about football for a really long time in my life. And since Josh Allen and Steph Diggs are here, I love football, but I'm really disappointed. That's Kristen on WGR. 550. You can go hear her call on the Mike Shope and the Bulldog podcast on their website. Chris, this woman is a walking contradiction. 
because she says at the top of her call, I'm not all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. And then she says, I understand that the NFL, there's money and ego and whatever, but guys, we're a family. The fuck this is. (laughs) Chris, you and I have been fortunate enough to talk to a handful of NFL athletes who play here for the Buffalo Bills over the years. You know who was not well-liked? Was Richie Incognito. (laughs) He was a guy that a lot... He didn't like us. You either loved him or you hated him. And there wasn't a whole... And and I think that... Chris, can you say that that's probably true about me? Yeah. There's not a whole lot of middle ground. You either really like Drew or you really don't like Drew. It'd be really cool if one of these people were active listeners to the podcast. Kristen, if you're out there and you're listening to this, I don't want to say this, but you sound like a rube. Can't they all just get along? No! You think you know what ego is. You clearly have no idea. You don't know what narcissism is, especially when you turn it loose with millions of dollars. Like, what? Can't they just work it out? They're a family. What fucking Hallmark special are you watching? Have you paid attention to the NFL at all in the last 20 years? Chris, what are we talking about here? They're a family, and it just doesn't feel good. No shit, lady. But Chris, that's a caller that made the air. Go to the next one. Who do you, what do you, well, first of all, I just, just to expand on that for a minute. What do you think's going to happen when you're... Chris, imagine you're disgruntled at work, right? Yeah. You want to tell me that you've never lashed out at a coworker or two? Oh, I have. I have even... Uh, ma- Guys, we're family. How many times do you get emails or bulletins? For, those of you working out there, how many times have you gone to work and been told by your employer or by the HR clerk or rep who has to put out a fucking notice to everybody? We're a family, guys. We're trying to be a family thing. The fuck we are. All right? We're not a family. We're co-workers. We all take a check to do a job. That's all football is. Football is a job. It's just like working in any other industry, except theirs is cooler and requires a lot more physical fitness, right? Because Tony from the copy room isn't going out there and running a four, you know, a four four forty. Realistically, if you honestly believe that a fa- like family dynamic is important, right? Like you, Chris, you need buy-in. Yeah. There's nothing to do with family. It's just, are we united and all driving in the same direction for the same stated purpose? Great, wonderful. Then we're all on the same page, but that doesn't make you family. It's not warm and fuzzy, and it's cool that the Bills have been able to cultivate that over the years. But it doesn't, it doesn't apply to every situation. It doesn't pl- apply to everyone. And at the same time, you sound like a rube when you go, well, I, I thought they were friends. Why can't they all just get along? That's, no, I cuss out coworker. I, I have a longstanding history. Of sometimes unstated, but hostility just up here between my ears, hostility towards coworkers, longstanding history of it. And I think that most people, if you were being honest, have that or have had it at some point in their lives and professional careers. So it's a joke if you think that this aw shucks, slap everybody on the back and give everybody a hug and let's go out to dinner five nights a week. That doesn't overcome the working dynamic. They're just human beings working with each other. They're co-workers, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've established that. Next call. Who do we got? Walter. Walter is next here on WGR. Thanks for calling. Walter, you're on the air. 
Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. I, I was I was hoping to focus on hockey today, but I I have to get in with this Diggs conversation. I just have one question for you, and I know it's a bit of a revisionist history, but given given that this situation might sewer the Bills' season, you think it was a good trade? You think we would be better off with oh Jefferson on the team? Would they be better off with Jefferson on the oh team? My God. Well. Oh. I mean, oh, it's June thirteenth. <laughs> if if you could convince me that we would have somehow known they would have drafted Jefferson, no, please the, don't. <laughs> please don't, bulldog. Please don't. Sure, but like, please don't. I, hey guys, <laughs> is the fact that Stephon Diggs missed a minicamp practice does it make you wish that he he wasn't a Bill ever? That is might be the best Mike Shope I've ever heard. He's generally a boob on air. But, I mean, right? You can hear it under his breath. It's, oh. it's, it's June thirteenth. <laughs> you people are killing me. I feel like George Independent George is dying. Like this is what you're doing to me. I hear that phone call, and I want to bite my steering wheel. Like I want to take a giant shark bite right out of it with these ridiculous teeth of mine. It's it's like I know how Greg Thompson now feels when I bring up Creed, bring up Creed Humphrey, and like oh well, the Bills could have drafted him and they blew that. Every team in football blew drafting a Pro Bowl center. Every team in football blew it once. Right now, there's ten teams who drafted a bust in the first round that year who wish they had just taken Creed Humphrey. Revisionist history does not get you anywhere. This idea that. Well, if we hadn't made that trade, Chris, do the Bills make the AFC title game in 2020 if we don't have Stephon Diggs? We don't. Are the Bills an annual playoff contender if they don't get Stephon Diggs? And they get some wide receiver who may or may not be Justin Jefferson. They could be if they had drafted correctly, but we don't know that. That's... And yet this guy fucking sacks up and calls the radio station goes and what i love is he starts off he goes well i wanted to talk about hockey today but i guess i have to get into this no you don't no one is telling you that you're obligated to call the radio station in fact if anything if you have family members it sounds like they should be keeping you away from the telephone point blank and period they should take it away replace it with a jitterbug and give you the same phone i give my one-year-old that's it Oh, who's on the phone? Is it dog or is it cat? That's who this guy should be fucking talking to. That's it. Him and my son Tommy can have an hour-long conversation with each other. Fuck this guy. I've had it. Chris, I've had it with these people. I can't do this. You guys ruin radio for me. You absolutely ruin it. You're the ones who bring up that, like, again, this is hackery, and they don't even know they're doing it, Chris. Mm -hmm. They don't even know they're doing it. Not all. Do you hear that groan from Mike Shope? I, I, like, I burst out laughing in my car. Burst <laughs> out laughing. That's that's like. Me. Oh no! All right. He's in the back going. Oh no! Oh God! It, Chris. How soul sucking must it be to have to talk to these people? That's uh, got to be. Have to. That's how yeah. you earn your check. All right. Next one. Let's go to the next one. We got two more to play. Oh, boy. Gary's next up. Hi, Gary. You're on WGR. Thanks for calling. Hey, how are you guys doing? Great. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm 
50 years I waited to make a phone call into a sports oh. talk show. So oh, make no. it good. <laughs> and I'm only my 50, chair. So, oh, but uh, you're last. Uh, <laughs> something's been driving me crazy about Stefan Diggs uh, for a long time, and I look at the, the Bills' website, and they see who practiced, didn't practice, and the entire week before the Cincinnati game, this guy didn't make one practice. And I'm sure they installed game plans for different games. And maybe he didn't get the ball because he didn't know what the plays were, and that's why they were arguing on the sideline. Um, and I don't know if anyone's talked about that, and I don't know if anyone checked how many, you know, how many did the other playoff game? Did he miss any days of practice? This I, this guy is not a leader, unless his half million dollar weekly check bounced. I, I I can't see him holding out, not showing up. I mean, he's well, he's looked to be a leader like one more shot at the Super Bowl. And obviously I think he wants out. Now I just heard that comment uh, that was just made, about Bulldog made, about the guy in Rochester who now the agent wants further clarification. I mean, this is a fight. They're picking a fight. This guy wants out, and the Bills are handcuffed. So I don't like the fact he didn't practice the week before and there was no injury report. Okay. There we go. Thanks, Gary. Gary. Here's what I want you to do. He didn't learn the playbook all year long. He didn't learn the playbook. Um, It's not a long season. It's not a wearing season. It's not a season where you almost watched your friend, you watched a friend of yours almost die. The spirit, first of all, the spirit of this phone call is an attack on not only Stefan Diggs' professionalism, but also trying to paint him as this lazy malcontent who doesn't know what he's doing. And that's why he's upset. Chris? Or a guy who's not a leader? Not a leader? I believe he's a captain. Uh, in the aftermath of... Well, let's talk about the Hamlin thing for a second. In the immediate aftermath, who was the guy trying to rally the troops? Was it, was it or was it not Stefan Diggs? When everybody else was just... Like, grief is starting to set in... And there's Stefan Diggs when he still thinks that they have to go out there and play. Who's the one trying to get everybody back up on their fucking feet? Diggs. Who was at the hospital? Who was the first player to the hospital who was going to fight security in order to get in and see his friend? Diggs. You want to talk to me about not being a professional and not being a fucking leader? It just doesn't fit your grumpy, lazy fucking narrative. This contrived thing that this extra grime that you've got in your head against a guy who, yes, he acts out. You know who else acts out? Me. Me. When I was a child, they diagnosed me or tried to. I It's called oppositional defiance disorder. ODD, go ahead, Wikipedia. In fact, if you're watching this on YouTube, Chris can probably pull up a screen grab and put it up here next to me. Oppositional defiance disorder. It's essentially a long-winded try to, clinical way to try to describe somebody who is an asshole and will do the things that you'd like. If you tell him not to do something, he will almost, it's almost like he can't help himself. Chris, symptoms of ODD. <laughs> having frequent, having frequent temper tantrums, arguing a lot with adults, refusing to do what an adult asks, always questioning rules and refusing to follow rules, doing things that annoy or upset others, including adults, blaming others for the child's own misbehaviors or mistakes, being easily annoyed by others. We just named all of the traits of true gear. 
If you could take a disorder and make it a personality. It's me, baby. You got him. What I know is this. You're trying to paint this guy as a malcontent. He's not that guy. Is he, Chris, is he a problem? Is he bucking every trend, fighting with every single coach, uh, breaking team rules left and right? No. Is he, he's not Josh Gordon? No. He's not Antonio Brown when he was spiraling out of control and fucking hilariously now losing his AFL football team? Like, so you want to try to paint this guy as the problem in this situation by attacking his character and trying to what, paint him as lazy? He didn't practice enough. He didn't know the play. You do realize that not practicing doesn't mean you're not in the meetings. It just means that you're not on the field physically for practice, probably because they know you are their best weapon in the wear and tear of a full NFL season. They probably don't want to exacerbate that. You're probably also knowing that these guys are mentally exhausted. And you're trying to give them some rest. But by all means, guy who's probably never played a sport at a high fucking level, you go ahead and make up your own like rendition of how this was supposed to play out and what you think his job is and what he owes you. Because it sounds very entitled, doesn't it? It does. It's, it's, it's almost like this boomer is out here yelling, he should just shut up and play. Shut up and dribble the ball. Like, it's that. Except... You couldn't be more off base. And it's enraging to me that these people exist or at least are allowed to talk openly about it. I mean, I guess everybody's allowed. Uh, Chris, we get to do this. Yeah. Freedom of speech. You're allowed to say whatever you want, but I'm also allowed to call you a moron. So what is that? Gary? Sure. Yeah. Gary, Gary, if you're out there and you're listening, if you are a listener to this podcast, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to run yourself a bath. And then what I want you to do is I want you to put the toaster on the edge of it, plug it in, and then I want you to yell that same rant you just yelled on the radio at the top of your lungs. 50-50 shot. Maybe it falls in. Maybe it doesn't. That's it. That's all I want to suggest. Can we get to the last one? Hang on. Hang on. Last one. Here we go. David is first up this segment. Hi, David. Thanks for calling. You're on the air here at WGR. Thank you. Um, Okay. So the elephant in the room is Ken Dorsey. And I don't know why you guys aren't copying to that. The fact of the matter is that uh, Devon Diggs, of course he's pissed off because he didn't get anything. That The fact that they lost that Cincinnati game and that Ken Dorsey is still the offensive coordinator is amazing to me. And I don't know if uh, Alan likes uh, Dorsey or whatever but the fact of the matter is that they can't continue with this they they lost the game it was a huge game they lost the game because of their coordinator couldn't figure it out so why is he still there uh, Drew this goes in line to with you when it comes to hockey and tweeting about <laughs> hockey and misspelling <laughs> players names if you tweet it and you misspell names, your point is completely lost when you misspell their name. Same thing here. You don't even know the guy's name. Your point is completely lost. No one believes you. You're an idiot. Devon Diggs, um, you know, that guy who I guess plays football for the Buffalo Bills, Devon Diggs. Um, so this guy's point is that he's mad about Ken Dorsey. Falls in line with what you think. You hate Ken Dorsey. 
Well, there's a reason we saved this one for last, because he, out of all the people that we just played for, there was more. Trust me, there was like a dozen more that I could have had Chris rip that I just wanted to two-hand tomahawk dunk, like two-hand over-the-back dunk on. This one, first of all, he fucks up the name right out of the gate. You Stop taking... Shouldn't that be part of a call screener's job? Make sure the guy on the phone knows who the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. Okay. That point blank and period. Can he pronounce the name? No. Then don't put him on the fucking radio. Put that in the box that the the the, the, the on air person personalities can see. Caller hears his points. Can't pronounce player's name. Don't put that guy on the radio. For lost a giant game. Yes. Are we all salty that Ken Dorsey lost that game? Ken Dorsey. Yeah, probably. And I bet you, based on the body language and what took place afterwards, this in, him yelling on the sideline, we can all probably guess that he's not happy with the direction of the offense. Not knowing the guy's name and making a bunch of gross generalizations, and you just wasted how much of everybody's life, Chris, that will never get back with that phone call? A lot. A lot. What are the, you're going to fire your offensive coordinator because of a playoff loss. Chris, if every team that lost a playoff game immediately fired its offensive coordinator, do you know how many openings there would be every single year? Yeah, there'd be a lot. What, how many teams make the playoffs? Let's see, uh, was it 14? Now, obviously, we've, it's been, it's been well chronicled the way that Ken Dorsey needs to improve, right? Yeah. But what were the Bills ranked, Chris? Give it a goog. NFL offensive rankings. It'll be, uh, you just, you just, I'm sure it'll be, uh, I'll vamp. Will you find that? It's not like this team, for as much as I might get drunk and bitch about it, for as much as everybody might get drunk and complain about it, it wasn't like there weren't some moments where you go, okay, this team actually knows what the fuck it's doing. And then even when Ken Dorsey was being a boob, this team still found a way to win a lot of football games. Close ones, close ones that maybe didn't need to be so close. But a lot of football games. Never use ESPN. What the hell are you talking about? You want me to use statmuse.com? No, what I want you to do. Statmuse has us fourth. Right there. Okay. In terms of what? Fourth in terms of? Uh, Whatever all this is. NFL. Yeah, but what's the headline say? Yeah, I guess it's done by total yards. That would be my guess. Statmuse.com. They had us fourth behind Kansas City 1, Philadelphia 2, Detroit 3, and then Buffalo at 4. I mean, I don't know what what specific stat you want to go by. I mean, we're pretty good in the beginning of the year. Football Outsiders... Offensive DVOA. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Four? Fourth. Just what I just said. Four. Wait, wait, wait. Overall team DVOA. First? Makes sense. So you're talking about a team that was one of the NFL's best, right? In terms of fine statistics, in terms of yardage output, just offensive yardage as a total. Offensive yardage. NFL 2022. Well, I just had it up. Total offense. We had uh, 6,361 yards. Yep. So your team, which hilariously, the two, t- so it was the two teams that played for the Super Bowl. And then the Lions. And then the Lions, who had like an unheard of offensive year and still didn't make the playoffs. And then the Buffalo Bills. So with a terrible quote, with this Ken Dorsey who needed needed to be fired the second the game ended, right? Like we've all been dubious. We've all been like, "Hey, that needs you. to improve." Hey, yeah, hyperbole. But Chris, that's me when I'm hammered the week of the game. In the immediacy of the aftermath, you mean to tell me that at that age he's still cl- Wednesday Drew? Yeah, that's Wednesday Drew, right? Wednesday Drew is when you calm down and look at everything. This guy, you mean to tell me he's been holding on to this for five months? He still feels this way after five months. He could have. Has he just been drinking nonstop since the season ended? He's maintained his own version of Wednesday Drew. Like he's Sunday Drew. He's Sunday Drew, and he found a way to spin that for an entire season. It's ridiculous. We all need to take a fucking deep breath here, Chris. Say it with me. Goose Fraba. I'm going to give you my quick Cliff Note version of what I believe happened. This is it, and then we're going to move on, because I have a broader message to deliver here. Guys, we've all had coworkers we don't get along with. We all have. Stefan Diggs, I believe, showed up here. They talked about him showing up for his medicals and that he had a meeting with the, with the coaches. I think that in his head, he was going to go into a meeting with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and basically make himself heard that like, hey, I'm not trying to be a malcontent, but I'm here to win because I'm getting older. And every year, uh, like he, Chris, the the only guy standing out there on the field in 2020 when they lose to the Chiefs and don't go to the Super Bowl, the only the first person to the hospital. The guy trying to rally the troops like this is who he is. Isaiah McKenzie said it on Tyler Dunn's uh, podcast or happy hour show the couple what a month or so ago. Yeah. Talking about Stephon Diggs and about how he is highly emotional a prone to outbursts, but that even when he's being that way, he's willing to listen to reason. They were like, when he's being crazy, you can talk to him still and he'll calm down and at least hear your points. 
And so that makes him, they're like, sometimes you just got to let Diggs be Diggs and then afterwards go, okay, cool, but you can't say it like that. Or you can't talk to this guy that way or what, what have you. I think that Diggs came into this assuming he was going to get a, get to hold court with the coach and with the GM and go, listen, last year, here were my frustrations and I, I want to hear that it's going to be better. And I have a feeling just based on the timeline that was laid out for me by some people who are in the know that they decided to bring Ken Dorsey into that meeting. And that's probably a mistake because, Chris, when you're mad at a person and you want to talk to someone else about it, and here's why I think this. Go back to the Cleveland game. The Cleveland game, he doesn't get a single target in the first half until like uh, there's like a minute left. Yeah. He goes to Sean McDermott. It's a very animated conversation on the sideline. Within... 30 seconds, he's getting targeted, and it's a touchdown, and we take the lead into halftime. Now, that's a game where we were struggling offensively, and the team was actively staying away from Stephon Diggs with the football. Now, he's probably mad at the quarterback because he's like, Josh, I thought we were fucking boys, right? But he's also going, hey, coach, you're the only one I can talk to about this guy that I have a problem with who I know you have control over. So right then and there, when people go, oh, well, he's, he's mad at Sean McDermott. I don't know. I feel like he's aired his grievance directly with Sean McDermott and Sean McDermott showed him that he's willing to push a little, put a little pressure on the situation. Correct. Yes. That sequence right there would probably speak to that. And then in the second half, they targeted him, I think like six or seven times. I think the point was made. So then later in the season, when he's yelling at Josh on the sideline, he's going, all right, well, I already tried talking to McDermott, and that shit didn't last, because clearly this is happening again. We don't have a great game plan, but at least you, you're the quarterback. You're supposed to be the guy who executes this offense, regardless of what that dickhead in the box says. You're the guy with the football. You make the choices. You make the line calls. They've given you that. You need to do what's in the best interest of this football team. Stop listening to that guy. That was the conversation. So now he wants to, before this thing even gets off the rocks, he wants to come in and have his conversation with the GM and the coach and go, look, I'm going to try not to be a problem, but maybe not even that. Maybe he's going to come in and go, I'm fucking fired up still. I'm still angry. I'm still angry at the way last year ended. I'm still mad because I think that if we had a real offensive coordinator, this would Chris, what happens if you bring the guy he's mad about into the room? <laughs> Probably uh, blow up. So based on what we know about Stefan Diggs and his attitude and what his fellow teammates have said about his attitude, and that sometimes you just got to let him go off and then correct him afterwards, what do you think happened? It probably didn't go well. No. There's a, there's a point in practice where Josh Allen comes off the field and then he's gone, right? Like there's people meeting with the media. <laughs> and then there's like Josh Allen's gone for like 15 minutes. And I think he's being debriefed on everything that just happened so that when he goes out, because they're like, listen, McDermott speaks and now Josh has to go into damage control mode. I think Sean McDermott was emotional. We talk about him being vanilla. Chris, what, what, what Valium? Yeah. Co Coach, uh, what, what, we, what were some of the things we've said about him over the years? Coach Ambien. Yeah, Coach Ambien puts you right to sleep. I think that he cracked. I think that in the face of some pressure he wasn't expecting and a confrontation that happened between player and coordinator, he kind of broke under the pressure of that for a brief second. And he slipped up and he let loose the fact that he was concerned that his biggest offensive weapon. And when he says, I'm very concerned now that we know that that meeting took place and that he was there and he did talk to the player and he was there. 
I don't think he's concerned about the fact that the player's not at the practice because you find out he's the one who told him to take the day off. I think he's concerned. Like, Chris, what else would you be concerned about? When Sean McDermott says that, it's not that the player's not available. It's not that he doesn't intend on coming back. What would be left to be concerned about then than the fact that your best offensive weapon is mad at your coordinator? (laughs) Still. I don't know. Then Josh Allen comes out here and gives what you heard in the intro, which is literally a guy, like, he sounds like the kid from American Beauty where dad stands up at the table and just throws a plate at the wall with spaghetti on it. And he's got to come out and be like, hey, hey guys, we're going to, all right, we're going to have everyone take a deep breath. I think we all have a lot to work on here. <laughs> There's a lot of things we need to talk about, but we're all going to move forward in the most respectful way possible. We're not going to throw plates anymore. The fact that he first says, I've got to get, we're going to get on the same page, right? Him and Diggs. Yeah. Tells you they weren't on the same page at the start of the day. And then it also like the way he had to be like, hey, we're going to move forward respectfully. Tells you there was disrespect, right? Yep. (laughs) It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there was a whole something happened back there, which I can absolutely see because I'm that guy. I'm that guy where if I have a problem, I will probably try to find the most professional route to do it. But I will let you know I have a fucking problem. And at the same time, you go into this and you hear fucking all the all the hack punditry that comes out after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. And then look, he fucking showed up for practice, didn't he? Yeah, he was out for like two hours. Yeah. Ooh, and now you could like it's deafening the sound of people trying to delete tweets, <laughs> racing to try to edit things that they said on social media. Or maybe not. Maybe you're just so stupid you believe the thing that you were fired up about in the moment. When did we become so thin-skinned, Chris? Uh, easy when Facebook and Twitter became public. I just mean as fans, like as Bill's fans. When Facebook and Twitter became public. If Twitter, imagine what Twitter would have looked like during the era of the bickering Bills. Yeah. What would have happened then? People would have been calling for Jim Kelly's head. Oh, yeah. They would have wanted him cut. Uh, Marv Levy probably should have been fired, right? Yeah. Like, you guys don't understand the pressure. You know, that, that caller at the top, that Kristen. Talking about, I understand ego in this and that and blah, 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 and but we're a family. No, there's legacies at stake. There's millions of... Stefan Diggs already has his money, and he still works like a fucking madman to be the best he can be because he cares about his legacy, right? Legacy matters to him. He wants that ring. He wants it. He goes out there and busts his ass. He's a top three wide receiver in the NFL, despite not being the best athlete, despite not being the most physical wide receiver, despite not being the best route runner or the fastest or the the biggest catch radius, because he wills himself to be that. That guy doesn't take days off. So if you're in his doghouse, it's because he doesn't think you're putting the work in. He's he's what Goggins, David Goggins. That's what he is for football. And yet he does not believe that his coordinator is putting in the requisite effort. I can't. No one could argue with that. Dorsey has a lot of work to do. This is all just a fight between multimillionaires who care about their paychecks, who don't want to get fired and who care about their legacies. So spare me all of this happy horseshit about families and this and that. This is a human story. 
These are human beings who are having a work dispute. And you people who decide to blow it out of proportion, kill me. And you Bills fans who fall apart. This is going to soil the season. I've seen seasons where this team has won four football games. What are you talking about? The Bills could make it as a wild card and still be one of the most dangerous teams in football. God help you if you're the team that we got to come on the road into your house and play you. Fuck you if you're not Kansas City. I, I'm just tired of our fan base forgetting. One, we have one of the best quarterbacks in football. Two, we have a well-coached, deep roster of veteran talent. Three, we have playmakers. Some of this, who some of you want to marginalize and brand as a malcontent and all this. You all need to grow up. Toughen up. Get thicker skin. Learn how to drink the way I drink to forget some of your problems. I don't know what to tell you, but Jesus Christ, guys. You've made radio unlistenable. You've ruined social media for a lot of people. Like, we as fans need to toughen up again. True or false? True. You also need to take a look around and recognize that there are people who have it much, much worse than us. And with that, I bring you our off-season OTA mini camp list of the people who have it worse than Bills fans. Fuck you both. Your lives are so fucking pathetic. I ran a charity 15K to raise awareness for it, you fucking losers. I want you to know that I put this list together well up at 11 o'clock at night listening to the song Still by the Ghetto Boys. New York State of Mind by Nas and Give Me the Loot by Biggie on like just an infinite loop for an hour and a half. That's where my mood is with this shit and maybe still is a little bit. My first one goes to Patriots fans who don't think that their team is fourth best in the AFC East. You are one pathetic loser. Chris, imagine having to open up pro football talk. As one of the Patriots fans who's constantly trolling us on Twitter, who, oh, no rings, uh, and the headline, the headline on the banner of PFT.com, Mac Jones outplaying Bailey Zappi in minicamp. Let that sink in. Let that marinate for a second. That is headline-worthy news of a national media outlet. Take a look around the division, Chris. Outside of a group of lunatics, Right? There isn't a single Miami fan who thinks Skylar Thompson or Mike White is better than Tua. I mean, as long as their offensive lines aren't getting them killed, because in that case... I don't know off the top of my head who the backup quarterback in New Jersey even is. But I would be a moron to suggest that he's better than Aaron Rodgers. I believe it's Zach Wilson. (laughs) Is he still there? Yeah, he's still there. Holy shit. I mean, his mom's hot. He's got that going for him. That is true. He does have a good-looking Mormon mother. Buffalo has the only quarterback to play the perfect playoff game. <laughs> he's inarguably a top-three quarterback in the NFL, and he's the leader of a team that's won its division three years in a row. Meanwhile, after three seasons, it's somehow a talking point. On a national news outlet that your first round pick from Alabama is actually outplaying a fourth rounder from Western Kentucky, and I'm supposed to be afraid of your football team? <laughs> They're installing a new offense, Chris. I don't know if you've heard about this. Heard about it, Bill O'Brien? It can't possibly be worse than it was last year. Right, guys? Like, it can't get worse than the Matt Patricia Joe Judge experiment. But what's the upshot here? 
In the iconic words of Sean Connery, the New England Patriots have brought a knife to a gunfight when you look at the quarterback room they've assembled and then look around the division. And I don't care how smart you think Bill O'Brien is, because you could do a lot with scheme to fix things. I mean, look at Mike McDaniels in Miami. Tua was not good in his first season. Yeah, it's similar to uh, Sean McVay with Jared Goff. But even with Aaron Rodgers under center, right, they still might have the least athletic quarterback room in the division with the worst pocket awareness and the worst touch on the football. You look at some of the numbers and it's gross. Jones threw 30 fewer first down passes than Matt Ryan, who played two fewer games and had such a shitty year that he had to bail out and take a commentator position. Matt Ryan sucked last year, and he was still throwing more first downs than than uh, Mac Jones. Of the 30 quarterbacks who played 10 games or more in 2022, Josh Allen was first in big-time throws, according to PFF. Rodgers was seventh. Mac Jones, last among all AFC's quarterbacks. Bailey Zappi had a higher EPA higher completion percentage, and a higher passing grade than Mac Jones. Jones supposedly has a better mental process, and he all sorts of intangibles that have led him to an 0-3 record against Buffalo when he has to throw the ball more than three fucking times. <laughs> this reminds me of the time, Chris, that the Bills trotted out Matt Castle, E.J. Manuel, and Tyrod Taylor and tried to have a three-man quarterback competition. And I got pissed because Mark Schlereth was on ESPN just panning the whole thing. Because they were like, how many NFL quarterbacks do they have on this roster? And his answer was zero. Looking back, wasn't he kind of right? He was. There wasn't a, a true NFL starting quarterback on that roster. The Patriots are the same situation here. And there's a huge chunk of their fan base that's just not ready to accept just how ugly that this shit can get. Regardless of whether you signed D-Hop and the fact that you brought in Mike Kosicki and what... Like, there was a video today where they're like, oh, yeah, everyone's going to say this is photoshopped, and it's Mac Jones throwing a touchdown pass to Mike Kosicki through a defensive back. That clip says more about how shitty Adrian Phillips is at this point in his career, because seven out of ten times, that is a pick. It's a pick, or it's a pass breakup. Like, I, I just, I can't with this stuff. And yet, I love it. Like, you you guys have no idea what's coming. And oh, by the way, you're starting defensive tackle Lawrence Guy. He's holding out for a new contract because even he knows this is going to suck. And he wants his money before he puts up with another second of that bullshit. You know who else has it pretty rough, Chris? Jets fans who don't like injuries. Hey, guys, stop me if you've heard this before. An important offseason acquisition for the New York Jets gets hurt before critically injured before he even gets a chance to play. Like, if, like, I don't know how to describe this. Unless you hit a gypsy with your car and get cursed, or just God hates New Jersey the way that I do, there's no other way to explain what's happening to the Jets franchise. Chris, they signed Carl Lawson. He immediately tears his ACL and he's done. They were like, oh, fuck, we were really depending on that to pan out. They won four games that season. <laughs> They go out and they go, man, our safety room sucks. We're going to trade for Chuck Clark because statistically he's an upgrade and he only costs us a seventh-round pick. Our GM looks like a genius. It's a savvy move. Like, you look at it. Like, 
this is how bad their secondary, just to, to paint the picture. This, the safeties led their secondary in touchdowns allowed in coverage with six. The largest culprit, LaMarcus Joyner, let up four, and he wasn't brought back. They were like, hey, we don't need you. Your contract expires. You walk. For his age, Chuck Clark was an upgrade in almost every single facet of the game and didn't cost much just with the seventh round pick. So Jets fans were excited. And in typical cursed fashion, yesterday the team announces that there's a serious knee injury for Clark, simultaneously announcing they've signed former Packer Adrian Amos to take his spot. A quick quick look at PFF will tell you that Amos isn't just a downgrade from Clark. The guy... The guy they actually fired in LaMarcus Joyner outplayed Adrian Amos widely in almost every single category, from missed tackle percentage to coverage grades. Somehow, Adrian Amos gave up as many touchdowns by himself last year as the entire Jets safety group did, Chris. (laughs) And now he's one of their starters. Like... what happens to you as a franchise that it's like, even when you do the smart thing, you still get fucked? Yeah. Is it but, just that God hates New Jersey? Because I wouldn't blame him. Yeah, he does hate New Jersey. New Jersey's... Yeah. I'm going to have to drive through New Jersey in a couple weeks. Gross. Lock I your am, doors. I am dreading it. Lock your doors. I do have, you know what? I do have to go down the uh, 95. I don't know if you saw that on the news. The 95 in Philadelphia, a section of it caved in. <laughs> you didn't see that? You didn't see that? No. Yeah, there's a, LA. there's a section of 95 where it just collapsed. There was a, apparently a truck fire underneath. And that's what caused the collapse, allegedly. But yeah, there's a section of I-95 in Philadelphia that collapsed. You know what else since we're on this New Jersey kick? How about Jets head coach Robert Sala? Man, it, it Tucker Max. Say what you want about him. A lot of people were like, oh, his books are stupid and he's a fired. Sure, fine. But he has a quote that I love. It says, the devil doesn't come wearing a red cape and horns. He shows up as everything you've ever wished for. Let that one marinate for a second. Because I can't help but think of Robert Sala when I hear this quote. The guy gushed like someone who won the lottery the day that they finally got the trade put together and got Aaron Rodgers' rights. And then the day they got him in the building and all of his press conferences, he's Chris, he's been a cheerleader for his quarterback. Yeah. Like, he's doing, well, what do they call that gymnastic, the, the bridge, where you bend over backwards? I, and yet, you you look at this, and I go, <sighs> first of all, Rodgers taking time off in the preseason workouts with a calf injury. Shocker, he's old as shit, right? And the numbers back up the fact that he's lost his step. He only had 13 scrambles in 2022. Allen had 63. <laughs> the Packers offensive line wasn't that much better than the Bills. I, I like 13 scrambles. What that tells you is that he knows he's not making it, so he just throws the ball away. And again, the throwaway numbers back some of that up. He has the highest pressure to sack ratio of any AFC's quarterback last year. Because his pocket elusiveness 
is gone. Like there was a day, Chris, do you remember when he was in his prime and he was very difficult to sack because he had that, he was like Joe Burrow. Like Joe Burrow isn't the best athlete. But what he is, is inside of a phone booth, he's elusive. He understands when to step up, step out, roll out of a dirty pocket, how to get away from that. And he has just enough of that. Like, that that was Rodgers in his prime. Rodgers no longer has that. <laughs> it's, it's not good, is it, Chris? No. Then you find out that they decided to cancel minicamp altogether. Chris... I the last day. No, 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 or no. They no. canceled all the all the of it. The Jets never held a mandatory minicamp. I'm sorry, I was thinking about the uh, Bills. Uh, uh, Chris, do you know who hasn't attended a minicamp in the last five years? Aaron Rodgers. Uh, maybe it was three seasons actually, but Rogers? multiple years. Aaron Rodgers has not participated in a mandatory minicamp. So, are you shocked to find out that all of a sudden the coaching staff go, who's so this coach who's so in love with this quarterback goes. You know, guys, I don't think we need this. I don't think we need this mandatory minicamp. You know, you know, it's it's not important. Chris, just reading, an, I was reading an article over at patspulpit.com. I do a lot of hate reading about our enemies around the division. And you have a, I don't know. I have an SB Nation handle. Well, and I, I troll those, those message boards. I was going to say a, a burner account, but that's not. No, it's a, just. You have an account, <laughs> but it doesn't reflect the show that you do nope or your name i have a bear bryant quote yeah i have an alabama head coach bear bryant quote is like the signature line from my posts <laughs> and i'm out there just creeping around in sb nation sowing seeds of division and chats and just being a real scumbag and her opponent's sb nation fan pages <laughs> i chris i love it i really do because I'm a petty son of a bitch. Which is what this is all rooted in, is anger and pettiness, because I think you guys lose sight of how fucking good we have it. Here's a coach who goes, well, my diva quarterback never participates in this shit anyway, and we've already crafted a narrative that we're a team. We have this thing. That every, so we don't need this work. So I'm over at Pat's pulpit, and you know what they're talking about is going on during minicamp, Chris? No idea. The stuff that goes on during minicamp that we as fans don't normally think about ranges, like, there's a lot of things that go on, right? You Obviously, it's players, there's drills, there's athletic testing, there's some stretching, there's you know physical stuff that's taking place. But it's also an opportunity for the coaching staff to work out what's the organizational chart internally look like? Who reports to who? Let's assign jobs. Let's assign last-minute things like, hey, this week, if you have a baby or if something comes up and you're sick, who takes over your role internally? Minicamp isn't just for players. It's for you as a franchise to get your shit together. Like, as a coaching staff, from the top down, you guys go over your entire operation and figure out on a week-to-week basis what your roles and responsibilities are. Because think about it. Everybody, Chris, every team has quality control guys who swap out every single year guys who change roles position coaches that might have changed this is a chance for your coaching staff to spend two three weeks or not two three weeks but two three four days working intensively around the clock together behind closed doors mapping out what your organization and your coaching staff is going to be who's responsible for what who reports to who if this person isn't available or this person's busy or this person's overwhelmed here's where we're going to defer to 
you're building a flowchart within your coaching staff like it's its own company. All of that installation takes place during these opportunities. You as a head coach who has no NFL success as a head coach, none. In fact, you what, Chris? They they had a four win season with uh, four and thirteen, seven and ten. Okay, eleven and twenty three overall, three twenty four win percentage. So that's you as a head coach, and yet you think you don't need this this critical thing that Bill Belichick goes. I have to have this. I have to have it. And the Buffalo Bills go, I've got to have this installation period. And the Miami Dolphins go, I've got to have this installation period. You know better than everybody else. Chris, who do you think he's deferring to on that? You asking me? Wrong person. The guy who doesn't like to show up? Yeah. He goes, hey, Aaron, do we need to do this? And Aaron goes, no. And he goes, guys, Aaron says we don't have to. Do you think it's a Do you think it's a good idea to let Rodgers have so much sway over the team's processes? Like n- not just for the Jets, but for himself. This is what the first quarterback they've had since Ken O'Brien. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you look back at what's happened to coaches around Aaron Rodgers. There was the beef that he had with Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl in Green Bay. Now look at him. He's just floundering. I mean, he's floundering his way to playoff losses with Dallas, which is, I guess, is it's success, but not right. Yeah. But he got McCarthy fired. He did. His lax attitude towards preparation in Green Bay over the last few years caused a multitude of issues in his final season. And I think if they worked for a weaker organization, he probably could have gotten Mike LaFleur fired from his job as well. Like, instead of trading him away now, if the Packers had said, hey, we're going to we're gonna force you two to try to make it work because we have a Hall of Fame quarterback who we still think can win a Super Bowl. We think his talent is so much that he can still win a ring with a good offensive head coach. They, and let's say they're weak. Like, let's say they had a GM with an owner, right? Because I think that's part of it, right? In Green Bay, there's no owner. It's a publicly owned team. So you have a GM who is the de facto president of football operations, and he's the final authority. And so in that way, I, like, I don't know how he got hired, but what I know is, is that he, he deferred to the coach rather than the quarterback. That should tell you something about what they know about this guy and his attitude. LaFleur's job could have been in jeopardy inside of a weaker organization or one that had an owner who was like Stephen Ross, a little more desperate. Or like the Haslam's in uh, Ohio there. And then you hear the comments from Solomon Thomas last week, where I think he thought he was being smart, where he's like, man, Rogers just changed the, the whole culture of the locker room. As the kids would say, that ain't the flex that you think it is. Chris, when Sean McDermott showed up here, he changed the culture, didn't he? He did. He created a culture of accountability. He took this team from a team that under Rex Ryan was a very player-friendly team where, what, was it Mike Williams was a notorious drinker and was actually running across the parking lot in his uniform like at like 10 o'clock in the morning for a 1 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. Not a good look. (laughs) Not, not, Not a good look. 
you look at this and Solomon Thomas saying these things is quietly undermining his head coach because it's like, hey, this guy's been here for two years and all you did was spend three weeks with this new guy and you go up the culture changed. Well, then that means that your coach really built a shit culture, didn't he? True. Or at least didn't bring a strong culture to the team. If adding one guy revolutionizes everything that's going on inside the locker room. Salah believes that this is his golden ticket. He really does. And I don't blame him. You know, he's look at the quarterbacks. He's had to watch play. Look at the defenses. He's fielded the running game that they had last year. I have no doubt that he believes that this is his golden ticket to success. I see a quarterback who physically isn't what he used to be with a weak offensive coordinator, a weak coaching staff. And while they were saddled with dog shit quarterback play last year, they also magnified their own problems with really poor situational awareness and decision making by the staff. And that falls squarely on the shoulders of the head coach. If this goes poorly, Chris, who's the fall guy? Salah. He's going into year three. It can't be Aaron Rodgers, right? If he decides to pack Yeah, up, he's God. If he decides to pull up stakes and leave, he fucks them next year. He's like $40 million in dead money against their cap. Yeah. <laughs> like, he might negotiate a deal, maybe a short extension, so he gets another two years of guaranteed cash out of the Jets. But if this goes poorly, you know Aaron Rodgers is going to deflect all the blame. Like, we, he's proven he's incapable of accepting blame. Correct. And the reality is he's less replaceable now because of what you gave up and what you're going to pay him than a head coach who's finished fourth in the AFC East for back-to-back seasons. Robert Sala has now made a deal with the devil. Like, we want to talk about Stefan Diggs being a malcontent and people bitch and complain about that. How about your coach mortgaging his own personal future and career on the back of one of the most cantankerous quarterbacks in recent NFL history? And then there's Florida sports fans in general, right? You want to talk about people who have it worse? You know how much fun we had a few weeks ago just laughing at the expense of Boston sports fans? Yeah. Like, they had a shit week, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what, the Celtics get ousted? Bruins lost in the first round. Bruins lose in the first round? Up three games to one. It's one of the more improbable. Like, Chris, I think the only one better was the time the Bruins came back on the Canucks, who were up 3-0 in the Stanley Cup Finals. And the Bruins won four straight to take the series. I'm not sure that that happened. Are you thinking about Boston and Toronto? Boston beat Toronto. No, no, I'm thinking about, remember the Vancouver Riots? Yeah. Yeah. That was like the 2010 or 11. Yeah, because I remember. But it was in that, I think it might have been in that playoff run boston was down three goals to yeah. toronto and one in like the last 10 minutes of the game no you have no idea so so it's vancouver i know it because it spurred the riots i remember i was in i was in uh myrtle beach with my ex-girlfriend and i was like there's no way vancouver can fuck this up like clearly they're not going to lose this game because they've had like nobody loses a lead like that in the Stanley Cup final and they blew it. So they went from being on that end of the spectrum to just somehow getting shell shocked. And that's hilarious to me. Now you bring back like, like and now then you think about what else is going on in Boston, like their baseball team sucks. Uh, the, the best the thing. 
Everyone trying to like look past their dog shit baseball season and go, well, at least football's coming. Oh, fuck, it's Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi. Oh, great. <laughs> that, that ruled. Like, it, it ruled to make fun of them. To a lesser extent, and yet still funny, screw Florida, Florida sports fans, too. I want to get up the world's smallest violin and play you all the saddest song ever written, right? Panthers fans, all of you. The embarrassing cup loss. Chris, you're the hockey guy here. Yep. That Cinderella turned into a fucking pumpkin quick, eh? Yeah, it did. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what happened to their goaltending? <laughs> shit, it was shit goaltending. There's a reason that they were barely in the playoffs to begin with, and it's because their goaltenders were bad. They got hot. They rode the hot hand, and it turns out they went ice cold at the worst possible moment. And they put all of the pain points of what your team wasn't showed up on the world's biggest stage, or at least your sport's biggest stage. Chris, they only beat out the Sabres by what, a point? Two, yeah, a Two point. points? A point. A point. Okay. Like, Florida really thought that this was their year to get their franchise's first cup? <laughs> well, they get got, back in line, assholes! They got their first Stanley Cup final victory. You get because they got swept in '96. That would be like me trying to celebrate the fact that the Bills beat Indy, and I'm like, oh, at least we won our first playoff game since the '90s. Fuck that. I I like the fact that the Panthers have to sit back down with the rest of us who don't have a cup yet. Fuck you guys. You don't deserve it yet. Also, I still can't spell Sam. Chris, look at how he typed it up in the notes. I still cannot spell Sam Reinhardt's last name cor- correctly. That's the worst you've spelled it. And I don't give a single shit. I'll see him and Matt Kachuk in hell. And you misspelled Kachuk. <laughs> I bet I did. <laughs> they can both kiss the fattest parts of my ass. Right? And then I don't actually dislike the Miami Heat. I rooted for them briefly when I actually have a Miami Heat LeBron James jersey, but that's because I'm a LeBron James fan, and I know a lot of you may not be. Um, how can you root against Jimmy Butler? Because you don't like basketball, but you know Jimmy Butler, right? Heard of him. How do you root against a guy with who is basically the Stephon Diggs of his basketball team? He's just all heart, all attitude, and he he's fucking nasty at what he does. He can turn it on on big stages, and that's what you want. That's what you want in the leader of your, your team, so it's hard for me to root against the Heat. It really is. He, he's basically Stefan Diggs without all the social media usage. And I just, I don't know. He just needs some help. Like, he's also Diggs in the way that he just needs some help from the guys around him so that he can finally get a fucking ring at some point in his career. And, like... He's also the guy that when I think about this whole Diggs fiasco, right? I think of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's been excused from a number of basketball teams. And every time he left, he was very open. He was very candid about it. He was like, he would talk about, you know, he was disgruntled. And he'd come into practice with an attitude of, ah, fuck this shit. This shit is it's weak. It's lame. It's not going to work. You're a bad coach. This guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. That point guard is trash. And we can't win like this. Chris, he was correct every time he pointed it out, though. Those teams were poorly ran. Their coaches all got fired. Those teams languished in mediocrity. They finally paired him with a guy in Eric Spolster who is a very good NBA head coach. Look at the results. 
They've been relevant ever since he got there. Those they were like the first eight seed to get to uh, NBA Finals ever. First play-in team. They didn't even make the eight seed outright. They had to win the right to go there through a play-in tournament. Wild, right? Yeah, usually basketball's not like that. It's uh, whoever the... You can almost... With basketball, you know what the NBA Finals is at the beginning of the playoffs. It's one of three teams, and you go, it's going to be... Yeah, like this which division, makes it unwatchable. Well, yeah. It's hard to it's hard to care about as somebody who doesn't love the sport. But so I look at that and I go, he's our Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is the guy who's going, that guy sucks. Chris, did Ken Dorsey suck in 2022? Yeah. I'd say situationally, he, he was not great. <laughs> I think situationally. Could have been better. He could have been better. And you've got a guy who's not going to hesitate on calling him out for that. I like that. But they made their finals two and still lost in five, just like the Florida Panthers. Now their fans are stuck waiting till next season to see if they can pull off some miracle run that they just witnessed, or if they have to tweak their roster, try to land another star, whatever it takes. I don't know. And I mean, I, I for, for Florida, I would call having the Tampa Bay Rays a silver lining if baseball wasn't just a terrible sport. Uh, Chris, the Florida Gators aren't ranked in the top 25 for the NCAA next year in the like, uh, preseason AP poll. Yep. And are still the most popular football team in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, they love college football down south. Those, ga- the, those Jaguars fans, they're going to build, they're going to pay to build a new stadium. And in three years, they're going to be showing up to watch the team play in Wembley or Tottenham with VR headsets on so that they feel like they're really there for four to five weeks a season. I hope you assholes like beans for breakfast, because when the Jaguars have dual citizenship and spend half their time overseas, you're going to wake up early and eat a whole lot of that nonsense. Terry, before you send me a fucking DM at what is three o'clock in the morning, my time defending the fact that the English eat beans with breakfast. Chris, if I wanted to be farting at noon, I would just drink a bunch the night before, right? I wouldn't eat beans (laughs) at any time of the day. I don't like beans. If I wanted to have rampant farts by noon, I would just drink a lot the night before. I would not eat beans with my breakfast. Okay? Point blank period. Done. For all of you guys in Florida who are legitimate Florida sports fans, I hope all your AC units break and an alligator climbs into your swimming pool. Kick rocks. (sighs) It felt good, Chris. It feels good being mean to other people, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) This has been an hour and ten minutes of me just being mean to people. (laughs) They probably deserved it. I love it. It, Listen, this is this is we talk about this being therapy for us. I feel better. Do you feel better? Yeah, guys. One more time. Say it with us. (gasps) Goose Fraba. What you're going to find out is our problems here in Buffalo are not that big of a deal. <laughs> I think I think a lot of you now understand my perspective on that and hopefully have gained a little bit for yourself through this exercise. And if you haven't, like, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. 
Go find another sport to watch. Go find another team to root for, right? Because like if this is the worst thing, your your most talented player and your least talented coach have a beef. Listen, you're gonna have that. And if you can't get past that and you feel the need to call on your local radio station and ruin everything for everybody, I can't stop you. All I can do is again hope that someone puts this in your ear and goes, don't, because there's some dickheads on the internet who will make fun of you. I hope you don't, but if you do, just know we're out here. Guys, for tonight, though, we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Pile Report. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.